0: Well, it is a wonderful, wonderful day today because today we get to celebrate fathers. This is a very happy Father's Day to everybody there. I pray that you will enjoy your day, that you will appreciate your dad and that you will be thankful and and spoil them for the day. I think it'll be very, very enjoyable as you just show a little bit of love to the dads who, in all honesty, sort of get left to the side, not deliberately, it's just because I think dads don't really sort of make a big deal of things, but not that I'm saying that mums do. Please forgive me, I'm not going to be getting into all that sort of stuff now, but I've got today a message that prayerfully would be a blessing and an encouragement to us as fathers and that we might draw some very valuable lessons as we look into the Word of God together this morning. So I'm going to hand it over to our sister Evelyn who is going to read the Word to us this And then after she reads, I'll open a word of prayer and we'll look at the scriptures together. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 1. That is Luke chapter 1. And Evelyn is going to read a couple of passages from that chapter for us. Over to you, Evelyn.
1: Reading from the HCSB, Luke chapter 1, verse 5 to 13. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years. When his division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. At the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. Verses 57-66 to Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she had a son. Then her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her his great mercy, and they rejoiced with her. When they came to circumcise the child on the eighth day, they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother responded, No, he will be called John. Then they said to her, None of your relatives has that name. So they motioned to his father to find out what he wanted him to be called. He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they were all amazed. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. Fear came on all those who lived around them, and all these things were being talked about throughout the hill country of Judea. All who heard about him took it to heart, saying, What then will this child become? For indeed the Lord's hand was with him.
0: Thank you very much for that, Evelyn, for taking the time to do that for us. If you just want to bow your heads and join me in a word of prayer, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that we get to celebrate dads today. We thank you so much that you are our Heavenly Father and that you are always ever present with us, that you are always sensitive to our needs, and that you are always involved with us, shaping us. And moldiness. and so now as we look into your word, we ask that by your grace, you will minister to each of our hearts, that you might draw us closer to yourself and that you might continue the work of the Holy Spirit to change us from the inside out. Please use me to speak clearly your truth now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this morning we're going to look at Zechariah. And from this example of Zechariah and his journey of becoming a dad, prayerfully, we will take out three very practical truths that apply to us as dads. So if you look at Luke chapter 1, this is what I'd like to start off with, is that of a positive portrayal. A positive portrayal. The picture of Zechariah is, I think a very accurate portrayal of what we can be as dads, what we can be as men, what we can be as Christians in general. And that is due to the insights that we are given in this chapter. For example, I read of Zechariah's heritage and role in verse 5. I read that he is a priest, that he's named Zechariah, obviously, About his wife, Elizabeth, I read how both of them were part of the tribe of Levi as they were both descendants of Aaron. Likewise, for you and I, as Christians, we are in Christ a part of his royal priesthood, a part of his family and born again into the household of God. We are now partakers of a divine heritage and a heavenly Calling. You look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, and Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, that indicate those things. As you continue to read in chapter 1, you also read of their testimony as a couple in verse 6. You read how both of them were righteous in God's sight, that they were observing all of the Lord's commands, and that in God's decrees they were blameless. Once again, in like manner, we as his priests, we endeavor to live lives blamelessly as we wait for the return of the Lord Jesus. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And looking at those two things, we see how Zechariah was active in his service as a priest. We read how he was chosen by Lot, which was one of the ways by which people could discern an answer from God by casting lots in order to go into the temple and then burn incense. Burning incense was representative of prayer. Thus, he was actively serving in the Lord's house. And you read about that in verses 8 to 10 of chapter 1. It was here, in the act of prayer, in his willing service and abiding in God's presence, that we read about this following encounter that Zechariah has. In Luke chapter 1, verses 11 to 13, we read this. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. What I like about this encounter is that in the act of service, in his willingness to be in prayer and be within the presence of God, he received a clarity to the voice of God and to the message of God. It was then that the message of God came to him, that as he was fulfilling his role as God's priest, as he was seeking God in prayer, as he was dwelling in God's presence, it was then that God spoke to him clearly. I think this is something that you and I Desire to be. It is that positive portrayal of what we want to be like, that we want to be active in God's service, men and women of prayer dwelling in God's presence so that when God's voice speaks and he speaks to us a specific message, we as his people not only hear but hear with clarity. And you might ask, What does Zechariah's example have to do with me as a husband or as a wife or as a father or as a mother, as a son or a daughter, a brother or a sister or even as friends or work colleagues? What has it got to do with each of those areas of life? It has everything to do with each aspect of our lives because we are priests and ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We are, according to the scriptures, born into his family, dwelling within his presence, renewed as new creations in Christ. And the temple that we now are, we find ourselves serving. We find ourselves serving in. We find ourselves serving in as ambassadors and as priests. And the the role that we have as priests And the area within which we find ourselves functioning in as priests is in each particular aspect of our life. Let me explain. I am as a priest to serve God in the role of pastor. And you might think, oh, that makes perfect sense. It's what you do. It's what you're supposed to do. But it goes further than that. I am as a priest to serve God in my role as husband. I am as a priest to serve God in the role of father. I am as priest to serve God in the role of mother, or as wife, or as son, or as daughter, or as friend, or as worker colleague, irrespective of the context, we are still priests and we are to serve God faithfully and diligently within that context we find ourselves in as priests. And as Zechariah reveals here in the serving, in the active serving of that role as priest, there is to be prayer there is to be dwelling in God's presence. And in prayer and in dwelling in God's presence, as you serve God in that role, whether it be dad or mom, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, as I referred to before, it is then that we hear from God and receive from Him His message with clarity. Does that make sense? With clarity, because this This is what we are desirous of as dads. And if not, this is what we are supposed to be desirous of as dads. To lead our families with a godly example, hearing with clarity God's voice. To have a testimony of reliance on God as we go from day-to-day living, moment-by-moment life, hearing with clarity God's voice to have the love of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit expressed in and through us with clarity because we have heard the message of God. And as we fulfill that role, you'll discover that we will build within our family a culture of godliness and relationships that are built within of trust, and of mutual respect. You see, that is that is a positive portrayal that Zechariah represents there because it is what we are desirous of as dads. And whilst that is something that we aim for as we look unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, as we do press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ, there is an honest there's an honest picture that is represented because this is what Zechariah does. Whilst him on one side he reveals this positive portrayal, in turn he also portrays the honest picture. Meaning whilst there is one that says this is what we desire to be, the other is this is what we are. You see, Zechariah hears the words that he is probably most 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 probably, been longing to hear for a number of years. He hears, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been answered. Your prayer has been heard. I mean, can you imagine the joy? Can you imagine the excitement? Can you imagine the sheer wonder of receiving such a greeting as this? The wonder that would be stirred within you. Your prayer has been answered. Now, you and I both know what it's like, well, we should know what it's like to have the joy of answered prayer. I mean, even just this week, I was praying for one of my children specifically and God answered that prayer specifically and My heart was overwhelmed with joy and gratitude and thankfulness. Not the fact that I got what I wanted. No, that wasn't it. It was the fact that I was heard by God. And God answered my prayer. Isaiah, who is only a very new Christian, Isaiah came to me and said, Dad, I was praying. And God answered my specific prayer. And he was just overwhelmed with with excitement and the sheer awe of God's goodness and of God's provision. And so for Zechariah, he has heard the the messenger of God himself. Your prayer is answered. And you read in verse 13, Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call his name John. But even more than that, as a dad, you pray for your kids that they would walk close with the Lord, that they represent Jesus Christ, that they serve him faithfully. And so Zechariah is not only told of his son's miraculous birth, but also of his future service in ministry. In Luke 1 verses 14 to 17, You read how in verse 14, he will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. In verse 15, he will be great in the sight of the Lord and be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born. Can you imagine that? That that, that he'll be great in the sight of the Lord? In verse 16, he will bring back many people to the Lord their God. And in verse 17, we read, he will go in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and to the disobedient, to the wisdom of the righteous, and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Can you imagine being told that that is what's in store for your son from the voice of God himself? Not that this exempted Zechariah from fulfilling his role, but he is given just a, a massive outline it's a prophetic word as to how his son and what role his son is going to play in the lives of his people. As a father, you couldn't desire more for your children. To have an endorsement such as this would be amazing. That that as a father you hear all the stuff about God. Now, now we, we think about this for a second. That same endorsement has been given to you and I as dads. That same endorsement of being able to, to invest into your children's lives so that they become like a John and represent Jesus Christ faithfully. Because as a parent, we experience the joy of having the privilege to lead them to Jesus Christ. And others would rejoice, even at their birth as well, not just at their physical birth, as we're told in Psalm 127.3, that they are a reward from the Lord, but their spiritual birth as well, if you look at Ephesians 6.4. And that we, as their dads, would pray that they might be full of the Spirit, that they would lead people to Jesus, that they would be examples of God's goodness and vessels of God's grace and proclaimers of God's gospel and the place they would the place where they as children are to see such things take place is to actually come from you as their dad me as their father that their example that their example about what God is like and about what God does and about how God interacts and relates to us as people is actually manifest, the children see it manifest through us. Such is the role of a dad, such is the role of a mum. And while Zechariah is not a dad yet, what Zechariah does in response here, I think, is something that we are akin to do. This is an honest picture. Of what we are like, in verse 18, we read this: Zechariah asked the angel, "How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years." When you compare this response, this response that Zechariah gives, to the response that Mary gives a little bit later on in the chapter, what you'll notice is that the angel's rebuke of Zechariah could be considered harsh in comparison to the explanation that Mary is given. We read in verse 19, The angel said to him, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Verse 20, And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the appointed time. Now, the angel is not showing favoritism. The angel is not being sexist, nor is the angel uh, mansplaining, as some people like to label it. The fact is this. Zachariah is a priest. Remember his role? He was a priest. He served in the temple. He is a Levite that knows the scriptures. He is knowledgeable in the miraculous dealings of God in his people's history. And he is personally accessible to the fact that God has performed, up to this point, five miracle births in the past. Five miracle births where the barren womb was overcome, where age was overcome, and how God was able to do that five separate times that he would have known about, that he should have known about, that how with God there is nothing that is impossible. The likes of Genesis 21 when Abraham and Sarah give birth to Isaac. We have Genesis 25, where Isaac and Rebekah give birth to Jacob. We have Genesis 30, where Jacob and Rachel give birth to Joseph. We have Judges 13, where Manoah and his wife give birth to Samson. And we have 1 Samuel 1, where Elkanah and Hannah give birth to Samuel. Ecclesiastes speaks to the truth that with much knowledge comes much sorrow. And Zechariah's actions here manifest this truth. That for all he knew, he allowed the circumstance to block out what he knew about God. With, with all the human limitations, with his wife's barrenness, with their age, he allowed, the, he allowed those limitations to overshadow the bigness of God. He is the God of wonders with whom nothing is impossible and by whom all things are overcome. I mean, think about this for a second. Just think about it for a second. Our life's payment for sin is attained through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, through the death of Jesus Christ. Our life eternal is secured through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our life's newness is enabled via the Holy Spirit's dwelling. Everything about our salvation, everything about our sanctification, everything about our ultimate redemption, the way those things are brought about is completely contrary to how you and I would actually do things. It's completely contrary to how we as physical, limited, temporal beings would do things. Where God in His eternal grace and in eternal wisdom, we have received life through His death. That our acceptance was through Christ's rejection. That our confidence comes through his humiliation. That our boldness comes through his submission. That our newness is granted through his surrender. This, This is the beauty of the gospel. This is the gospel that radiates the greatness of Jesus Christ. And I think... I think what blocks our view, I think what puts us in the same boat as Zechariah is that we are brought to this point of forgetfulness in, in our own lives as Christians. We are brought to this point of forgetfulness because we, we won. We, we lack genuine knowledge. Now, when I say genuine knowledge, I'm talking about knowledge that transforms the mind and the heart. I'm talking about divine wisdom, divine knowledge that impresses upon the soul and the spirit takes to, to carve away. Now, I'm talking about how the, the knowledge of God that, that can't help but humble you before the greatness of who he is. I'm talking about that genuine knowledge. We know words. We know information. We know things. We know platitudes. We know various things like this. But to have genuine knowledge of the word of God that he takes and renews and transforms our minds. Wow, I think there's a lack of that. Even in my own life, there's a lack of that. That's one thing. And then two, there's a lack of real life experience. When I say real life experience, I'm talking about when that knowledge, that knowledge goes and is actually acted out and lived out practically. Practically that we find how how God does supply all our need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, that we find out how he gives us the right words to say, that the Holy Spirit gives us the right words to say, that we're not supposed to take thought, that the word of God, the word of God who says that if we seek first his kingdom, that all other things will be added to him. I think we lack that real life experience, the reality of of God's word, and because there's this lack of genuine knowledge and this lack of real life experience, when I say real life, I mean spiritual life, real spiritual life experience, then that places us in a position of, of, of limited vision and limited courage. Limited vision and limited courage. It's where the confidence, or sorry, not the the, the the boldness, the boldness of running toward Goliath is replaced. By standing on the sidelines and shaking your boots being a spectator, uh, the confidence of standing upon the promises of God in obedience is withdraws and becomes a bowing to an idol when the music starts to play. It is, it is the, 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 the willingness, the willingness to adhere to, to Jesus' testimony. And to be bold and and to see revival take place is replaced with, say, running away from God's call on your life. You see, that lack lack of real knowledge, that lack of genuine knowledge, that lack of real life experience would actually be the determining factor on whether you're a David or not, whether you're a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego or not, or whether as opposed to being like Stephen, being a Jonah and running away. Such is the failure we can have. Uh, Such is the failure that we may even be experiencing now. But what Zechariah does in his rebuke from the Lord and his disciplining from the Lord is what we too can do and continue to do as we walk with Jesus. And that is this blessed privilege what we get to do, this blessed privilege of what we get to do. You see, with Zechariah experiencing the discipline of the Lord because of his unbelief, he can no longer talk. And when he comes out of the, of the temple, people know something is up because he's not been able to speak. We read in verse 22. Okay, So he goes home and five months later, his wife is with child. We read that in verse 23 and it points to... This points to the blessed privilege that Zechariah gets to do and is revealed in what he does at the naming of his son. Now, biblical names always have great thought and meaning given to them, Uh, whether it be like Ichabod, whose glory, the glory had departed, which was in relation uh, in the days of Ezekiel, whether it be the likes of, say, Moses, who was drawn from the water, whether it be Joseph, which means to add to being uh, the, the child of, of Jacob in his old age. So there are names that often have great meaning to them. It's much like how my, all my brothers and my sister were all named after family members. Um, there's always a family connection there. And I have my name. One of my brothers gave my name to one of my nephews as well. He's, he's a great kid, by the way. Um, good looking too. Okay, But when Zechariah comes to name his son, it is very common for somebody to be named in the family. Elizabeth says, no, his name is to be John. They're going to say, we'll name him Zechariah after his dad. She says, no, we'll name him after his dad. Um, and Sorry, let me, let me catch my breath. The people say, let's name him after Zechariah after his dad. Elizabeth says, no, we're going to name him John. In verse 61, we read, there is no one among your relatives named that or who has that name. And so they go to Zechariah. Zechariah writes it down and confirms his wife's statement that John is to be his name. Now, this is what I like about Zechariah's example. This is the blessed privilege that we get to do along with Zechariah, that we get to partake of the same thing that he demonstrates here. You know what that is? It means we get to learn. We get to learn. Learning results in action. Learning that changes a mindset. Learning that promotes growth. With Zechariah's journey from the message given to him right to the birth of his son, Zechariah is moved from a man of knowledge to a man of wisdom. A man of knowledge is often how we are. Where we have a lot of knowledge, being a man of wisdom, where such such knowledge then gets lived out. So he goes from being a man of knowledge to a man of wisdom. He learned that one should never take the calling of God lightly. He learned the consequences of doubting God's promises. He learned the faithful fulfillment of God's word. He learned humility in God's presence. He learned the necessity of obedience. He learned the compassion of God's mercy, and he learned the appreciation of God's grace. That's what he learned. And you can see, as a dad, as a dad, we start off as the epitome of manhood to our children. We're perfect in almost every way. We're always, we're always right in the eyes of our kids who, in their world, we can do no wrong until we do. We can do no wrong until we do. Broken promises, lost tempers, unfair judgments, unreasonable expectations, Hurtful words and damaging expressions slowly erode that view that our children have of us and the harsh reality of our own sinfulness comes to the forefront. And because there is this dual persona of like the, right in front of our children, this dual persona in front of our children of the church dad versus the home dad, there can be a pushing away from God of them. We can push them away from God and our conduct instead of drawing them closer. But like Zechariah, we can learn. You know what that's called? Repentance. Repentance. That when we, when, we, when we make broken promises, we repent. And we repent before our kids. When we, make, when we lose our tempers, that we repent We repent before our kids. When we do unfair judgments, we repent and acknowledge those unfair judgments. That when we have unreasonable expectations, we repent of those unreasonable expectations, when we say hurtful words, when we when we have those, those damaging expressions, we repent of such things before God and before our kids or before our wife or before whoever it may be for the glory of God the Father and for the establishment of our weakness, knowing that in our weakness, Christ is strong and our family sees that. We can learn. We can learn to be dependent on, On the Lord, trusting Him, even though we don't have all the answers. We think about that. Imagine the testimony of where we don't have all the answers, but seeing the testimony of what God can do through faith in Him, and then your child sees the reality of that faith in you as you trust your Heavenly Father. We can learn to be men of prayer, praying for the spiritual welfare of our children, of our wives, of our whole families. We can learn to be men of the Word, governed, having our minds renewed and our lives conformed to Jesus. We can learn to be men of the Spirit, governed by His heart as He leads us into all truth. We can learn. We can learn to be more compassionate to our children as we experience the compassion of God toward us. We can learn to be more accepting, of, of, of the mistakes our children make because our Lord is so compassionate towards us and forgiving as he accepts us for the mistakes that we make. We we can learn. We can learn to submit to our Heavenly Father and call, sorry, uh, we can learn to submit to Heavenly Father and the call on our lives to raise up our child in the way he should go so that when he is old, he will not depart from it. We can learn to be men of our word and men of consistency that we don't exasperate or frustrate our children. Consistency is a very important thing. We can learn to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her so that the children will see that dad loves mom and they're secure in that relationship. You see, this is the blessing of the picture Zechariah gives us. That yes, yes, there is the positive portrayal of what we desire to be. Men of prayer, men of active service, men men sensitive to the voice of God so that we might, might hear with clarity his message toward us and turn have that message demonstrated and expressed towards those within our homes. We can learn. Yes, we have that, that honest picture of yes, though we do fail. Yes, we do desire this, and we do fail. But in that failure, we have this blessed privilege that we can learn. We can learn to be more dependent upon him, that we can be ever learning and and growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, ever growing in our relationship with him, ever developing the intimacy that we have with him, and with each other, to the glory of God the Father. Yeah, we can learn. Then, when we learn, we can sing a song of praise that Zechariah sings, and that we, as we sing with him, are able to celebrate what God has done in us, with us, and through us. Because we read of his song. I've changed it a little bit just to make it more personal. But we read in verse 68 Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to us and redeemed us. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his prophets of long ago salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. This is the praise we get to sing as, yes, whilst we have something to aim for, that positive portrayal, and while we have that honest picture of where we do fail, we do have the blessed privilege to learn, to learn and to, to be ever learning, ever learning. Finish on this one thought. I pray that whilst we are ever learning, that we don't suffer the condemnation that Paul refers to within the Scriptures, that we are ever learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. May that not be a reality for us. That whilst we are ever learning, we'll be ever learning for the glory of God. Ever learning as we are transformed. Ever learning as we are renewed. Ever learning as we walk in the newness of life as being the sons and daughters of God. So with that, happy Father's Day, gentlemen. I implore you, I beseech you. Stand strong in the Lord. Walk close in his presence. Rest well in his grace, to the glory of God the Father. I'm going to close in a word of prayer and then we're going to finish with a little Father's Day message that's been put together for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the example of Zachariah. And I pray that we have learned something today that will impress upon our hearts our necessity of what to aim for, that we might press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, that we might have our eyes ever-focused toward you. And whilst we have this positive portrayal to aim for, for, I do recognize that we do fail. But I thank you for the grace and for the mercy that allows us to be learning, to learn from your spirit, to learn from your word, to learn from the lives of the people that you have placed within each of our lives. And so I ask for you to dismiss us now and I thank you for the privilege to be called a father. And I pray that we will exemplify the love of our Heavenly Father to those around us. Father, we commit ourselves to you now and ask you to dismiss us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Happy Father's Day, gentlemen.